all in the jail, we go into FCC for a Max Correctional Center. We've been going in there since 99 when I first got my uh, first uh, card there. Uh, through various parts of that ministry, we finally got a, a regular service time in, uh, in uh, January of 05. And we were in there every week for services up until the pandemic. And then uh, we just got back in about six months ago or something. But uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, pray for that ministry. I keep praying for more men to, to be, uh, get involved with it. Uh, we're not going to be in there forever. Uh, neither Pastor Humphrey, as far as that goes, but there's always going to be jails right up until the time of the Lord's return. I guarantee you that. And uh, the needs of those souls inside that jail is great. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to be able to look upon an audience anytime, anywhere, and to see God working. I saw him working uh, this morning with some of the hearts of the people in here. And I've seen, uh, I've seen men come under conviction in, uh, in FCC. And uh, not only from that, from, the, uh, from some of the, the Bible studies and stuff we've offered, Brother Daniel went through some of those, he got saved, and uh, now he's in our church and serving the Lord. Amen. So uh, don't ever think, don't, I want anybody, ever, I used to hear stuff, you know, so we don't see any fruit, or don't see much fruit. That don't make any difference. That doesn't make any difference. Just keep, keep at it with the God put before you and do it. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and uh, so pray about that ministry. We also minister through the mails to... Uh, Two, three other facilities. I'm, I'm sending out material right now to eight men that have, we've uh, ministered to here. Some I've picked up through some of the saved men. We have, a, we have two saved men now in, uh, in Kenai. And uh, they've turned over, over time, numbers of people that, that were interested in hearing some of the gospel. And so we get material to them. Some of them cleave to it, some don't. Again, we're not in charge of that. All we're in charge is to get God's word in front of their eyes. So saying that, <clears throat> Pastor Humphrey kind of modified our service schedule here uh, a few months ago, and, and we uh, decided to start doing like a 20-minute sermon or so, and then having time for, uh, to interact with the men more, answer their questions. You know, to get, uh, sometimes we go in there, and there's four or five, five of us, and we have one, one guy for every person, and we can talk to them. And you can, you can sound out where they're at and try to answer questions and help them along in their spiritual walk, you know. That's what it's all about. Like I said before, it's all about souls, not about us. It's about God and, and the souls of man. So I'm going to try and kind of follow that tonight, uh, this afternoon. I know you're full of... Uh, I had made all those cake poppers, was it? Yeah, I didn't get one, but you're going to have to make them again sometime so I can... Sample that I heard good things about it. You know, I love sweets. Okay, uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter three. <clears throat> We've had lots and lots and lots of preaching, teaching from the book of Galatians. As Pastor Demlo has been working through that that letter to the church at Galatia, the churches of Galatia, and uh, you know, sometimes for me, uh, when I hear something. And uh, or I'm reading something in the, in the book, and then uh, I, I want to look at it a little bit closer, maybe just one little verse like the one we're going to look at today in chapter 3, verse 13. I started to study it out because <clears throat> I wanted to understand it better. 
and I saw the opportunity to, um, this is probably a message that I will use in the jail someday. I don't know when, but I very likely will use it in there someday because it has a lot of good truth. The Bible says, says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Again, let's pray briefly and then we'll go on. I thank you, God, uh, for the truth as it's presented in your word. I thank you for the souls that have chosen to be in attendance today. Bless each one with your special presence, those that are saved, that we could know the Holy Spirit's trust, um, uh, presence as we take in the things of your word. And Lord, as we just seek to give honor and worship to you through that attention to your word and that we'd have the ability to in the heart to take these things to storm up in our heart that we could be <clears throat> uh, ready to answer uh, to every man the hope that is in us with meekness and fear we love you lord again bless this time in christ's name i pray amen okay paul in his letter to the church of galatia <clears throat> which is uh, Galatia is actually like a province in, in central, what's present-day Turkey. You know, are the seven churches of Asia that were written about in, uh, <clears throat> in Revelation were part of their, uh, part of that area. And, but in this church, Paul chastised the believers there. And he might have been writing this too, to shake up the pastor. I mean, seriously, there were things going on that probably was, had gotten out of hand as far as his pastorate went because those things <clears throat> that were going on there should have been recognized for what they were as being unscriptural and not followed or cast out. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> that is what that made those believers in, in Berea, in uh, made them more noble in that what? They searched, they heard the word, and they searched the scriptures daily to see if it was so. Mm -hmm. And in that way, <clears throat> you get confirmation of what God is saying. That if you, the more times you put your eyes on God, word, the more times you hear something, and the more times you study it, and put it in there, the more of it is going to stick. And that we can use that, become, it becomes a tool that we can be able to use, again, for our faith and our practice and to share with others. People are gonna wanna hear about, and they need to hear about the faith that we have in Christ and in the faithfulness in, the, in believing and trusting the Bible for what it is. And so he said to those people in chapter three, verse two, <clears throat> he says, this only what I learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, this should have been a, a rhetorical question. It should have been a no-brainer. If they were saved, well, if they're really saved, they should have said, well, we got saved when we believed on Jesus Christ. The, these people that were the, called the Judaizers, they had come in and they were saying, well, you have, to be, you have to be saved and then you have to add works to that. And what they were trying to do was to take them back into into the Old Testament Judaism. And I was just thinking this morning, or just a little bit ago when I was over here looking at my notes, I wonder if, you remember, <clears throat> um, I wonder if these might have been some of the Pharisees. You know, the, the Pharisees were big on works, 
They were religious leaders, and they, they put down anybody that, uh, that believed on Christ. And I've often wondered if these just might not have been wolves in sheep's clothing. That they were going around to these churches, and they were teaching a false gospel. And people were beginning to, it was causing doubts in some, and evidently might have drawn some away from the faith. I think that they were trying to draw people back into Judaism. And of course, what they were teaching was the Pharisaic Judaism, which had nothing to do with, very, very little to do with God's word. It was all about uh, salvation, and it was all about prideful, uh, following after works for salvation, and so on. And so I just wonder about that. These people weren't like the Bereans, obviously. If they were, the men in that church should have stood up and said, you are not teaching scripture. Get out of here. Either believe what the Bible says or leave. Because the Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so a little bit of false doctrine that comes into a church can lead to more false doctrine coming into that church. And it cannot and should not be so. So again, you would think that these Jews would have known what they were doing was a violation of Scripture. And the, the Scripture that they claimed to enforce and the gospel that was being presented was of truth, empty and vain. And <clears throat> again, it's not like that they hadn't uh, been remonstrated then this hadn't been taught in scripture uh, before now <clears throat> i'm not going to go there but deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2 and verse 12 chapter 12 verse 32 of that book and also proverbs 30 verse 6 they echo what i'm going to read now from revelation chapter 22 verse 18 right you know it, it was not it's not without import that was God was drawing the bottom line on what was, was the last of revelation of, of God to man in, through Scripture, that these, he asked Paul that he would, or John, that he would record this. Revelation 22, verse 18 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And I don't, I don't think he's just talking about revelation, he's talking about this whole book. If any man shall add unto these things, which is exactly what the Judaizers were doing, they said you add, add, add works for salvation, <clears throat> God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Well, what plagues? Well, if you know about the ten plagues that came upon Egypt for uh, <clears throat> when they came out of uh, Egyptian bondage, those were plagues, not good things. I don't know if they're exactly these, but a plague is not something good. He said, you're, you're going to experience some bad stuff. And he says, also, if any man shall take away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So anybody that would say, well, I'm, I'm going to heaven, I'm hoping I'm going to heaven, and they were practicing these kind of things, defaming God's word. God says, you're not written in the book of life, buddy. You're going to have, you don't have a hope based on the scriptures. 
And for that person, if they don't repent and, of their wickedness, they would just end up, as they say, you'll have no part of in heaven, no part of the holy city, no part of, of, uh, of having a heavenly home. So now, we just had a little bit of basis there for, for what was going on in that church as a whole. And then in this message, <clears throat> we're going to look at three things quickly. We're going to look at the curse of the law. We're going to look at Christ's redemption. And then we're going to look at number three, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So it says there, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's this about a curse anyway? Well, you know, people talk about cursing and so on, and generally it's, it's relegated to uh, uh, using God's name in vain or using profanity or something like that, and that's certainly not good. But this kind of curse is something that has a far deeper meaning. In the, in the scriptural sense, it's talking about condemnation. It's talking about calamity. It's talking about God's wrath being acted out upon that person. We know from John chapter 3, verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Calamitous things. Condemnation is going to be upon those that choose not to believe on God as their Savior. And so, <clears throat> wrath is simply God's anger in action in bringing justice to individuals' lives. Um, there was punishment. They wanted people to understand, and we need to understand, that there is a punishment due to sin. You could read that again. Christ hath redeemed us from the condemnation of the law. Okay? It's the law that condemns us because we've failed to obey it completely. Again, when God says, be holy as I am holy, this was repeated numbers of times. When you read when you, in Isaiah, you talk about how when, when Isaiah was taken into and had a vision of the throne of God, he saw the angelic beings there proclaiming, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Father, holy is the Son, holy is the Spirit. Proclaiming God's holiness before holy God. And then again in, in Revelation, when we go through reading in the, in the first three chapters about the, uh, the, the addresses to the churches of Asia, then you go into chapter 4 and you're ushered immediately into God's throne. God's throne in His presence. And you see His glory-circled throne, and there the angelic beings are again pictured pra uh, praising God, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and to Him was due all honor, glory, and praise. And that should be a heart for us to forever. But the opposite of that is that for those that haven't come to Christ, the curse is upon them. They're being condemned, being dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God, and they will... Um, They'll experience the wrath of God being acted out. on God is angry with sin every day. People love to say God loves the sinner. He hates the sin and loves the sinner. Well, he does. He was willing that all men should uh, come to him and not, uh, rather than perish. 
But God's conditional love is as conditional as his mercy and his forgiveness. It's conditional upon the individual coming, seeking God, seeking his mercy, seeking his forgiveness, seeking the gift of God, and trusting him as Savior and Lord, and that only. Again, the curse of the law threatens the sinner's violation of God's law and is a severe penalty, and God will not fail to execute judgment upon the guilty sinner. Um, again, John 3.36, the wrath of God abideth on the individual that chooses to not come to Christ. And in the Bible, violation of God's word is described three main ways, and you can pick that up very, very easily and very succinctly, clearly, from Exodus chapter 34, verse 7. Beautiful verse. It lays it out so very, very clearly about these, these three facets of the violation of God's law and what happens for those that do. Let's read Exodus 34, verse 7 says, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children and the third and fourth generation. Now that is not that... <coughs> it is not that, that the, those third and fourth generations don't have the opportunity to repent and believe. What it means is, is that what's taught in the home, oftentimes that belief system of the father, of that family, is passed on to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. When you see the specter of the reality of the false doctrine that's been taught in the Catholic Church, when you see the specter of the doctrines that have been taught in, in the Protestant churches, when you see the specter of the reality of what's being taught in some of the cult churches, Mormonism and so on, what has happened? What was taught in it, starting in, in one home and it was passed down from generation to generation. Because what happens is nobody questions what they've been taught and what they heard. You do see things, you know, I've seen people turn from, uh, it's not that Catholics can't be saved, seen it happen. It's not that Mormons can't be saved, seen it happen. Uh, you know, people can be saved out of the cults, seen it, seen it happen. But even, even for those oftentimes that walk away from those, they get so, so sour with religion that they go off and they, and they, they, have, no, uh, they have no thought for God or, or seek anything out anymore. They become hardened to the things of God and end up facing his condemnation. And so let's just quickly define iniquity. It says uh, keeping mercy for thousands. Mercy is, is God not giving us the punishment we deserve for our sin. Iniquity means something that is absolutely despicable, abhorrent, and perverse in God's eyes. On the farthest uh, spectrum, it might be something like was practiced by, in, by human sacrifice and so on. But in the, in the closer sense, it's anything that's against 
that perverts God's name, that perverts God's word, its actions and things of the sins of the flesh that God finds to be absolutely uh, filthy and unacceptable. Transgression, this word means to exceed the, exceed the limits that God has established in Scripture. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. It's very, very simple. It's like if you're going, zipping down the highway here, the speed limit is 60, you drive through there 70, you've exceeded the limits of the, of the established law, and you're guilty of speeding. For an individual that, that does not, that they, they know God's word, they know the, the, the standards that God has set, and they choose either to, like we're talking about today, they ignore it, they just choose to go their own way, and they exceed the limits that God has set. God puts, puts he's given us the commandments and his word that we would have parameters to uh, dictate our life by. The Bible says in, twice in the book of Proverbs, the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The prudent man is the thinking man. He is the man <clears throat> that has this stored up. And so what he does and what we're responsible to do is to filter everything that we say, do, and act through the, what this Bible says. If you can do that, if you can do that, if we can do that, we'll be right every time. The problem is we're flesh and we do make mistakes, but nevertheless, this is where we need to be. We need to know and understand when we violate his law, it's a transgression. We've exceeded the limits that God has set and they're good and they're fair and they're reasonable. In the 18th chapter there of Ezekiel, one of my favorite chapters I was talking about, it says, God says, are my, not, my, not my affairs equal? Meaning, aren't they fair? Well, yeah. He's given us what he uh, demands and expects from us about the matter of obedience. And when we say we just choose to go our own way, God says, well, you've exceeded the limits I put over you, and I count that as sin. That's what the Bible says. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. God said that. Not the preacher. God said that. And sin, sin is to 3.23, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I chose to use another verse, Romans chapter 14, verse 8 says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord, both of the living and the dead. So, <clears throat> when we exceed God's word, uh, we, we come under the condemnation of sin, and we come short. You know, uh, it's just like, you know, if you're, you know, if you set up a target and you try to, and try to hit that bullseye, whether you're bull hunting or rifle shooting, and God's holiness, and if you take that as, a, as an opportunity to hear God's word, to make a decision about an act in, in your life, okay? Holiness is if you, if you hit that mark, that bullseye, every time. Every time. 
Every time. Nothing in the nine is all ten. Well, the Bible says that we come short of the glory of God. What happens is, and we're trying to aim for holiness, we just can't get there on our own. As try as we might, we're going to fail. That is why God gave us Jesus Christ as our Savior. For when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Christ came and he gave us the opportunity to have spiritual life through our faith and trust in him. And through him, and through him only, can we have deliverance from the consequences of our sin. The word, and then point two is, we're going to talk about Christ's redemption. The word redemption implies that a payment must be made to fulfill a debt. And again, <clears throat> Romans 6.23, it says, For the wage of the sin is death. But again, I chose to look at another verse here. Romans chapter, or Hebrews chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. It says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, every time that God's law is, is transgressed, is violated, there's going to be a demands of payment. It says, for how shall we escape what? God's judgment, God's punishment. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? Jesus came, remember? Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Before anything else came out of his mouth, we know that he, he came preaching repentance. He never stopped preaching repentance. His apostles never stopped preaching repentance. The commission was given to the New Testament church to go and preach the gospel, tell the whole, to every people, nation, and tongue was given to them so that people could have the opportunity to repent and believe. And the message hasn't changed, that's what I'm saying. The message hasn't changed. God doesn't change. He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the same thing with his word. Don't let people try and compromise you by throwing something in God's word that isn't there. Don't let them compromise you by taking something out about something of doctrinal importance. <clears throat> okay. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The answer to that is you will not escape which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to their own will. And so <clears throat> there is no way getting out of the parameters that God has set for righteousness. How shall we escape God's wrath if we neglect so great salvation? Well, the answer is again, you will not escape. The Bible says that it's appointed unto men once to die and after that, the judgment, that's, that's again, it's a verse that flows off our mouth like, uh, like water over the dam or over the bridge. But the truth is, it's, it's very, very, it should be very, very sobering if you don't know Christ as your, as your savior, that, that judgment and the, the eternal fires of hell await you if you leave this, this, this 
finite existence with the curse being cursed by the violation of God's law. That's what the Bible said. What we have to learn to do is like that prudent man does. He foreseeth the things that could happen, you know, and he ponders things. He ruminates on what God has put in his book. What does it say about this? What does it say about divorce and remarriage? What does it say about, uh, you know, child rearing? What does it say about, uh, you know, how I should deal with my neighbor? Well, you know, we can think our way out of things, you know, in our own reasoning, but the truth is that we're going to, as finite beings, um, we're going to make mistakes. But when we turn to God's word, like that prudent man, he's trying to figure out what God, he's seeking what God has to say. And if, if you can't get a clear decision, here it is. If you can't figure out, a, you know, a situation about something to do, and you can't find a clear-cut reason to do it in God's word, then don't do it. You're safe. If, God's, if it's something that God says for you to do, you do it. If he says something you're not to do, you don't do it. If you don't know what to do, hold off, go to your pastor, go to the book, see what you can find. Don't give up. But again, it's better, it's better, to, it's better to not step out and get out of God's will than to step out and find out your, your face in the mud. I've been there too many times. I don't want to go there anymore. It's not that I'm perfect, but I, and I know I'm forgiven, but, but having the forgiveness of sin isn't a license to uh, a liberty, not to use our liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And so Christ's redemption, he did everything for us that we could not do for ourselves. Titus 2.4 says, speaking of Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us, from what? From all iniquity, from all sin, from all transgressions of God's law, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Peculiar, not odd or strange or weird, but, but peculiar, different. Different than the rest of the world. Different that walks to the beat of a different drummer. Different in the fact that we have a hope that's founded on God and his word rather than many of the empty things that are, people are putting their faith in for tomorrow. The doctrine of redemption is not just a New Testament teaching. I love the Psalms. There is so much. You could spend your lifetime studying Psalms and you'd probably just barely get a, get a dipper full out of the, the wealth of, of truth that's in there. <clears throat> Psalm 130 verse 7 says, it says, let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. You got to remember that the Old Testament saints were saved the same way that we are today, through repentance and faith. Get in there and read that, that Ezekiel 18. He talks right about it. He says, God, you know, God says, if you'll repent, I will, you know, the, the recurring theme in scripture is if you repent I will trust, I will, I will save you, I'll make you a part of my family and you'll receive blessing now and in eternity. Ephesians 1.7 says 
Well, it points out the fact that redemption comes at the expense of Jesus' blood sacrifice for sin. Uh, Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And again, the hope that we have is as the kind of hope that was talking about here that Israel had, Israel's hope. That hope is a confidence in future events. It's the highest degree of well-founded good as it is based on God's word. It's not a think so, maybe, want to be, kind of, you know, it's a, it's a sure hope of a done deal. Just like the, this hope is just like how uh, the Bible talks about the doctrine of glorification. Justification, we're saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, we're saved from the, from the power of sin. Glorification, we're brought and we're saved from the very presence of sin when we go home to be with God. And the Bible talks about glorification as being a done deal, yet we're still here. But see, the done deal is that our hope is, it is for heaven and it's a, it's a sure thing deal. The God that saved you will preserve you even as he has given his word and he's preserved it even to today. <coughs> so, that's where we want to go with that. Just remember that it took the most precious substance in all the universe to pay for your sin because there's only ever so much of it. You see, that's how, that's how we vary. Uh, value things in this finite existence is how much uh, how much of there is in demand for it, right? Gold. I don't know. Just find it. I don't have very much left anymore. But it's it's a couple thousand dollars an ounce. There's a lot of things that are worth even more. There's some some of the rare earth elements are worth thousands and thousands and thousands for for a, for a, for a microgram. And it's rare because what it can do, because there isn't very much of it. The same way, Jesus Christ, the value of his blood is infinite. Why? Because it was rarity, but also for what it can do. That God has enough blood to wash you and every mind and every sin-sick soul through his precious blood. Uh, it says, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by his stripes we are healed. He died on that cross and shed sinless perfect blood, that Lamb of God. Remember when Jesus came preaching, John the Baptist pointed at him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John knew that Jesus Christ all the prophecy and all those, all that blood of all those uh, lambs and, 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 uh, and bulls and goats and so on, all of those that were offered up for the forgiveness of sin, <clears throat> they had to do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. And even the priest that came to him, he had to offer up sacrifice for himself, but he was a sinner too. But when Jesus offered his own, his own sin, he sat down on the right hand of God. Remember, we had some preaching, teaching about uh, that it is finished. 
not his life, that his work was finished, the work of redemption, of making redemption open to all people, all time, everywhere, to the Jew and also to the Greek. Remember? Okay, so one final point. <clears throat> Better water it down here before I go on. The third point is, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Interesting phrase. Where does this come from? Well, you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, 21, verse 22. The Deuteronomy is sometimes called the reiteration, the re-giving of the law. The Ten Commandments are found in there, and then often the, the, the teachings of God's Word then were expanded upon, and they were explained, even like a teacher or a preacher would, so that in application, people and us would understand what God expects and what He requires, the limits that He's put upon us, the liberties that He's given us as believers. Okay. <clears throat> It says in Deuteronomy 20, 21, 22, And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. For an inheritance. And remember that when Jesus, they, they, they had those three men on the cross, Jesus on either side of those two thieves, and the, the, uh, the Jews, so that they could observe the Passover, <clears throat> they had to have, they couldn't be handling any dead bodies, there couldn't be any violation. If they did, there would be a violation of the Sabbath, they wouldn't be able to, to, to take the Passover. That's why those, those, the soldiers broke those men's legs. So they would die quickly. They couldn't push up. They died. Jesus had already died, so his, he, his, uh, his body was not marred. <clears throat> but, well, so what's this about? It says, if any man have a, committed a sin worthy of death. Now, under Levitical law, they had parameters for the, the, um, the execution of, <clears throat> of people that had committed capital crimes. <clears throat> this was all based on Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man's hand shall his blood be shed. And with that was the mandate, not just for capital punishment, but for, for all establishment of legalized, for governing of, of man's uh, justice and laws. And <clears throat> the and, uh, it's a scriptural, capital punishment is scriptural, it says so. But see, here's the thing. This was under, this was under the, the um, this was under the, the teaching of, and the, the application of a Levitical law, okay? The thing that's mainly against capital punishment in our country is that there's been people that have been uh, convicted, they've been on death row, and then they, uh, they execute them and then they find out that they were not guilty through DNA evidence or somebody, you know. And so they say, well, we can't be doing that. But again, under Levitical law, it's a lot different than our law regarding uh, capital punishment. Under, Le under Levitical law, there had to be two or three witnesses. They had to agree 
And they had an interesting nuance about the witnesses. If the witnesses were found to be lying, then the same punishment that would have gone to the other person, in this case death, would come upon them. So that was a strong, that was a strong uh, reason to tell the truth and, hold, and nothing but the truth. And also there was other, in, within the, the, judge, the judges that would view that, it wasn't just one man, it was a council of men that would come over, they would review the case. Pastor Humphrey taught on this, and I believe one of the, one of the points was that if, the, if the, all the men voted guilty, the man would be let go. Because God decided if it was that strong a case, it might have been something in there that was not right. Anyway, if, if capital punishment is not about, it's not about punishment. It's about justice. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by his hand shall man's, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man's hand shall his blood be shed. And so, I'll tell you one thing, um, there's, there's people that go into the system, they kill somebody, they've, they're guilty of homicide or different degrees of uh, manslaughter and so on, they get back out and what do they do? They end up killing somebody else. Well, I guarantee you, if, if, uh, if a guilty criminal is executed, he'll never commit that crime again, against man, against humanity, against innocent people. So... So, Jesus bore our sins on the cross that we not have to. He was on that cross, on that tree, and he became a curse for us. He became condemned. Not for his sin, but for our sin. Each and every sin, he, remember, he, he his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, on that cross. And so if a person dies... In his own sins, they will bear the punishment of death, the curse of the law, eternal separation from God. In a sense, the lost person will experience all the pain and the suffering and shame of dying on a cross. And you know, that was awful. And then the, with the cross, in comes physical death, then comes the penalty for spiritual, uh, then comes spiritual death, eternal suffering in the fires of hell. The Bible says, you know, Jesus, you heard it, Jesus taught and preached more about hell than he did about heaven. Why? Because he wanted people to understand what awaits the lost sinner. When it talks about the darkness of hell, that's all the, the darkness of sin that the individual liked in this life. They're going to experience physical darkness, spiritual darkness forever. The Bible says there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I can only think that the individual that has heard the gospel and walked away and said, why didn't I believe? Why didn't I listen? But you see, there's no do-overs. Hey, people, there's no reset button. There's no do-overs. You only got this existence to make that choice. And as long as you have the cognitive ability, as long as you have life, you have the opportunity to repent and believe. Thus, the sinless Son of God was crucified like the worst sinner, that the worst sinner, us, 
might live through him in glory. What Jesus did was take our place on the cross that we deserve. I mentioned about that matter of death row. Here's the way it works in the criminal justice system. In the states that had uh, capital punishment, when the person is judged guilty and the judge uh, pronounces the sentence of death on by whatever means, then that individual goes on what's called death row. And then they have the opportunity to, to the, the case to be reviewed and so on. And, and if, if it's found that uh, there's a question on it, then they can receive a pardon. But all the while that they're on death row, they're, they're waiting the execution of their sentence. But there is the possibility of a pardon in the criminal justice system if, if a discrepancy is found and then the individual can be relieved from that, from that uh, condemnation. That's the way it is with you, lost person. You're condemned. You're on death row right now. And without God's forgiveness, without his parole, you're going to go to hell. There's no two ways about it. I mean, if you say that God isn't true, you call him a liar. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good to violate the things of God's word. You can't, you can't defeat God. If you think you can't get, there's no back doors to heaven. There's, you know, it's like the old rock song in the 60s. You know, the guy said, I swear there ain't no heaven, but I pray there ain't no hell. It's not by living, only dying will tell. Well, don't wait till you die to find out that God was right and I'm wrong. But there ain't no do-overs. Okay. The old man's done. I'll just say that if the Word of God is getting close to you, nigh you, as it talks about in the Bible, if it's getting close to you, and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. Make the choice. I'll tell you what, uh, there is no saved person, truly saved person, will ever be, will say that they were sorry they believed on Christ as their Savior. There's no individual in heaven that's saying, you know, I wish I wouldn't have believed on Christ because they're already in glory. How foolish would that be? But there's a lot of people in, in, uh, in hell that are wishing they had one more chance to repent and believe. That's what the, that's what the, uh, the rich man, rich man and Lazarus, he, the, the rich man, <coughs> he said uh, he didn't ask for forgiveness for himself. You notice that? He asked for some water to relieve the suffering, you know, his physical suffering. But he didn't, ask, he didn't ask for any mercy for himself because he knew there wasn't any. But he knew that there was mercy for his brothers that were still in this life and still had a chance to repent and believe. I hold up Christ and him redeemed before you even this moment in time. I'm not going to offer up any uh, invitation. You've heard it. You've heard the truth. The ball is in your court. Make the decision to repent and believe. Okay, let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for the richness and the power and the strength of your word. We thank you that through it we can know the way of salvation, the way of service, the way of receiving blessing in this life and on into the next. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit would uh, continue to convict those that are, uh, don't have a believing relationship with you to make the choice while there's time. Certainly, uh, we're not guaranteed even another moment of life. Many, many people leave this, this life we know, Lord, uh, never expecting that they were going to be hauled up and be held accountable. But it's, uh, the length of life is, is tenuous. And so, Lord, just, just pray you to work, bring blessing to those who are saved. Uh, I, I can't pray for peace for any lost person, but only if they would come to you in, in uh, believing faith. In Christ's name I pray, amen.